Welcome back, hockey fans. My name is Jack Woods, alongside Danielle Denena, who is effectively about 200 miles away. And Slapshot615 is back, people. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We missed y'all. We missed y'all. When was the last time we recorded? Um, I don't know. That's a great question. I think it was playoffs and playoffs. Yeah, it was about the play. It was about playoffs time, and uh, I think I said something along the lines that, "Oh, Nashville will pull it together," and then they didn't. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we both said this is the year, and then that was followed by this is the year of a first round exit. So. Oh yeah. No, it was a year of first-round exits for everybody, apparently. <laughs> that is true. Yes, it was. Oh, my gosh. What have you been up to? A lot of schoolwork. I've been I up to a lot of schoolwork. feel that. Lots of applying to colleges. Just staying really busy, covering some prep hockey, some college hockey. Finally, the Preds are back. Yes. So, we're busy over here, Jack. How about you? Oh, busy as all get out. You know, just nothing but papers on Shakespeare, nothing but papers on uh, just different things. I'm in the media fellows thing here at the Paw, which means that I get to come into this podcast studio. And there's no regulations. We can say whatever we want. Um, we, I can go on the radio. I do TV. I do newspaper. It's just so much to do. Awesome. That's and a lot. That's and you know what? I'm going to get to do a full-blown PowerPoint point presentation on why Captain America is the best Marvel character. I might have to apply to Paul now. You get you have to. You would love it here. Everybody would love it here. I've been annoying Justin though. You have? So much so much well I will like text him late at night and be like, why am I even here when Danielle and Abigail are doing the things I want to do back home, covering the Preds? And he's like, hey, cut it out. Stop being a wuss. Not to the effect That's of like. Quote of 2019. Not to be. Not to the effect of like, toxic masculinity. Like man up. It's more like, uh, you know, like hey, you belong and you need to be there. Yeah, so, you do. I had. You're it. I had. Well, no, you guys are killing it. I mean, there's stuff. There's stuff with Danielle going out pretty much every single day. I mean, it's so much. There's so much content for Penalty Box Media now going out. Yeah, talk about that. Penalty box has gone official, people. Woo! We are partying over here with it. <laughs> no, just kidding. But we're so proud of Justin. This is a huge deal. This is a huge awesome. deal. Not to mention the ICC Hockey Conference also went legit. Fordice. Big in... things happening here, guys. Big things happening in Nashville. Jet, come back. We miss you. I'm coming back. Don't worry. I'm coming back for a week in October. I miss y'all. I miss. You. I might even drive up to Clarksville, where there's n- effectively nothing to do, just to just to talk to you guys. I'm down 100. <laughs> percent Well, so well, some great news for Danielle. She's obviously been doing a lot of prep hockey, a lot of high school hockey. Covered the Vanderbilt Eastern Kentucky game today, where Vanderbilt laid the ass whooping down on Eastern Kentucky. Am I correct in that? Yes, yes, they did. It was a 12 to 1 win, 12 goals, and I think it took till midway through the third period for Kentucky to get their one goal. It was crazy. The third period opened up, and they scored three goals in a matter of a few minutes. So dominant today. The chemistry that I saw today from Vanderbilt is deeper than I've seen from them in previous years. 
That was a good team that I saw on the ice. Mike Brady, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Christian Catone, phenomenal. Their goalie was great. Eastern Kentucky's goalie was solid. Mm-hmm. Were they just created, was was Vanderbilt just creating more chances, just getting to the net more? Vanderbilt had over seventy shots. Oh, so that's, <laughs> that's NHL fifteen numbers. To save about sixty something shots. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> like the twelve goals that they put up. Yeah, I mean it's seventy shots. Whatever, who cares? Whatever. Yeah. Could do that in our sleep, Josh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that time that we went to Nashville and tried to make that YouTube video, then went to Fordyce and uh, Antioch? Yeah, remember that time that you fell 16 times and I tried to help you up and you wiped me out? Remember that time that you you put on my catcher's gear and we went to that little area outside? Josh, remember that time that I scored on you and then once. posted on my Instagram story once. and got you roasted scored, for a week? You scored on me once. I did, and I will hold you, you to put it. On my ca- you put on my catcher's gear like one for like a minute solid. I took one shot and then took off the helmet and go, I'd rather be a forward. Hey, I give credit to all goalies out there. You guys are a different breed of very brave people. Yeah. I almost died, and Jack, no offense, but your <laughs> shots were not even that good. No, they weren't. <laughs> all right, so on to serious matters here, you guys. No! Let's keep it. Let's keep it fun. Let's keep it fun. We don't got to be serious. Okay. Let's keep it fun. Let's keep it fun. Where have you applied to college? Where have you applied to college? So I have applied to the University of Tennessee as of right now. Go Vols! Very excited, waiting for that letter. So that's my number one. Mm Mhm. We're waiting on it. Gonna go with uh, Cameron Martz there. Cameron Martz is there. Woo! Yep. She's waiting on me. Where else have you have you thought about MTSU or where Abigail is? I have. I've thought about MTSU. I applied just as a backup. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides that, just waiting to see what happens. Thinking around. You I know, got you. I got you. All the fun stuff. There's a lot of hockey going on right now, especially uh, with anything but college hockey and high school hockey. But finally, we got some NHL. We got some pretty significant predators news today we we yeah, we, we as in you and i not we as in the affiliates of the nashville predators you and i got some pretty big news in terms of the nashville predators today anthony richard was put on waivers ellie tolvanen and rem pitlick sent down to milwaukee leaving about 32 men left for the nashville predators on their roster which i gotta say the move for Tolvanen and Pitlick down to Milwaukee, especially after their performance last night against the Lightning, was nothing short of shocking, I gotta say. I was just about to ask you, Jack, if you would put Tolvanen over Luke Craggs or Josh Wilkins. Because just looking at the situation, and Luke Craggs, Josh Wilkins, solid guys, not NHL-ready in my opinion, but I just am curious... As of what the logic is, sending Tolby back, sending Pitlip back to Milwaukee, but keeping those guys on the list of 32 men right now. Well, it is an interesting move, and I think that it alienates two long, well, maybe not long time, but two very well-acquainted Nashville Predators and Mika Salamaki and Frederick Goudreau. I I don't know. It kind of looks like the end of an era in terms of Freddie Hockey and uh, Mika and Salty. Excuse me. Yeah, I would definitely. Agree. I don't know how much longer that they will stick around Smashville. I think that 
maybe they're sending Ellie Tolvin and Ron Pitlick to Milwaukee just to keep the legs moving, keep them skating, mm-hmm. so that they can call them back up. I know that Tolvin was hoping he would get that opening night roster, but I think that sending them down to Milwaukee is going to give them the opportunity to just skate a little bit more for Tolvin, skate on an American rink more, prove the consistency with the aggression, his skill that's improved. I think that spending some time down there and then coming back up to Nashville, maybe after, what, 10 or so games, after that first lump of the season's over, mm-hmm. just something like that to build up that consistency, that's probably going to be a big confidence boost for him, even though he wanted that opening night roster. I think that just skating in America and building up what he needs to build up might be a move, but at the same time, I could also see him staying in Nashville. So it's just whatever David Poyle has up his sleeve <laughs> – yeah. Fans of Nashville are going to have to trust. But big moves are happening, Jack. Yeah. I got to say I was really hoping Rem Pitlick. I think that Pitlick, I think that Pitlick was a little bit more NHL ready than Tolvanen. I don't know if you disagree with that or not, but I just think I that, would agree. I think Pitlick's got a little bit more uh, maturity, a little bit more um, I guess suave on the ice. He skates very well. That's one thing I've yeah. noticed. That's one thing I've noticed um you know, some guys are just blocky, like Matt Irwin. You know what I mean? It's very, yeah, no, it's I... very smooth. There's no wasted no. movement. Uh, he's able to get through the neutral zone with efficiency. And quite frankly, I just, I, I didn't like the move of sending Pitlick down. I understand Tolvanen because, yeah, you know, there Tolvanen is the, uh, the the guy that everybody's going to be looking at. But, no, I didn't like the move for Pidlick, and I certainly didn't like putting Anthony Richard on uh, waivers. I didn't like uh, Alex Davies either. I didn't like those moves uh, at all, really. Um, but what do we know? We're not NHL general managers. But anyway, opinions <laughs> on Mika Salamaki and Freddie Goudreau. I'm sad. I'm really, really sad. I really wanted Frederick Goudreau to be that 15-goal uh, 15 assist guy in the bottom six, especially after the promise he showed in that playoff run, scoring his first three NHL goals in consecutive games. I just, I really wanted more from Freddie Hockey. With Mika Salamaki, you knew what you were going to get. Uh, he, uh, he can lay some nasty hits and he can get to the front of the net and wreak havoc, but I, I wouldn't expect him to score any more than seven goals a year. I wouldn't expect him to, I mean, play every single night. In all honesty, I, I just really wouldn't have expected much of Mika Salamaki out of him this year. But I don't know. What's your take? Here's something that I thought over briefly earlier was sending Tolvanen down and sending Pitlick down. In a way, call me crazy, maybe I'm crazy, but this was just a thought. I feel like this is a sort of trial period for Frederick Goudreau and Mika Salamaki. I think that this is their last chance to yeah. prove that they deserve a roster spot. And I think that sending Tolvanen down and sending Pitlick down was probably a move just to clear up the space to let them try and prove their worth one more time. But I think you give them this period, and if they don't show out, I think that it is end of an era. And I know that Coach Laviolette, Absolutely adores Mika Salamaki. Yeah, he does. For years now. Salty, salty, salty. That's everything coming out of Peter's mouth. But there comes a point where young guys like Tolvin and step up. And I think this is a time where one era ends and another begins. You got to move on. You got to move on. 
I mean, sometimes you really want something to happen, and it just doesn't happen. Um, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> you know I'm not going to edit that out. You know I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> I don't know why you would make that noise. So, anyway. Please don't click off, everybody. I promise. <laughs> well, I just remember a time where depth forward was something that, uh, or sorry, forward depth was something that Nashville took serious pride in. Going into that Colorado Avalanche series in uh, in 2017-2018, I believe. I believe. Yeah. I Going into that series, everybody was kind of wondering why Mika Salamaki was starting. Everybody was wondering why Mika Salamaki was starting. And you understood why Fisher was starting. You understood why... You know, a guy like him would be on the ice, even though he was definitely not the caliber player that he uh, was a year prior, probably because he hadn't skated in six months. So I don't want to hear any Mike Fisher haters out there. But, yeah, it's just like I don't know why Salamaki was skating in that series in the first place. I don't know why they didn't throw Scott Hartnell in because Scott Hartnell has more NHL experience, has more experience throwing the body in general. And has a higher scoring ceiling than Mika Salamaki ever had. Even when, even in Scott Hartnell's retirement year, you just thought, I'd rather have Scott Hartnell in than Mika Salamaki in. But like you said, Peter Laviolette had an infatuation for, uh, well, not an infatuation. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe he was, maybe Peter Laviolette was He's looking at him. Potential. No, he saw he, a lot of potential. No, I'm going to stick with the bit. He definitely looked at Mika Salamaki with loving eyes. He definitely did. Definitely. All right, let's move on. Let's <laughs> move on to the power play unit from last night. How about that, Jeff? What are your opinions? Why, what, what? Did Peter Laviolette and Salamaki make you a little bit uncomfortable? Matt Duchesne is a national predator. <laughs> definitely made her uncomfortable. Definitely made her uncomfortable. It's okay. So Matt Duchesne... Matt, Matt Duchesne. Duchesne is a Nashville Predator. And you know what? How about that entrance? 3.4 <laughs> seconds left. Bang. Tied game. Let's go to OT. Yeah, and, and OT, Rem Pitlick won it. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do watching this in frustration. Because... I I, it, it, just, it just makes so much sense for Rem Pitlick and Ellie Tolvanen to be on the opening night roster. I don't know what we are going to do because it's so frustrating because we know what we're going to get. We know what we're going to get with Mika Salamaki and Frederick Goudreau. We know exactly what we're going to get with them. And kind of going back to that, I don't know what the – I don't know how you earn an NHL roster spot at this point. I don't either. I think that if – those two are to earn a roster spot I don't think that it's in Nashville Mm -hmm. I think that you know they've done well in their time in Nashville but I haven't seen enough out of them to convince me to give them that cap space I was about to say like have they they done that well I mean have they done that well no let's call a spade a spade they haven't done well enough I'm not convinced that they deserve cap space in Nashville well it's not much cap space no it's not much clearing out any sort of room for maybe Ellie Tolvanen one day. I don't know. It's a confusing situation. I don't think that Mika Salamaki and Frederick Gaudreau are going to stay in Nashville much longer. I think that this is their time to mm-hmm. shine, or it's their time to go. Right. 
And something in me is saying that it's probably time to say goodbye to Smashville for them. Yeah. Well, um, it's it's a it's a real sad situation to be honest with you. Um, and I I sort of look at this as an athlete, and you have experience with this as well. But you know, when you get when you grow accustomed to a certain locker room, to a certain group of people, as a teammate, it's really upsetting when some uncontrollable circumstances push you away from it. It is. It's extremely upsetting. And they've had, you know, they're solid bottom-pairing guys. So they've had a solid time, but... It's just time to move on. 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 Just like it's time to move back to the power play unit. Okay. Because that you is something what, that, why, why is this such a big deal? We. Why is this such a big deal? Jack Woods. The Predators scored a power play goal. Yeah, of course they did. What? Of course they did. You could not have done, as a team, they could not have done any worse on the power play last year. They could that not have done any... They, they could not have done any worse... So why are people surprised that it's like, oh, there it is. They they got it. They got it. It just took them a whole summer and a couple of weddings to figure it out. Yeah, a whole lot of weddings. Actually. A whole lot of weddings. Sorry, Danielle. Yossi's off the market. Okay, Justin wouldn't answer this question. I want your opinion on this with Dallas and with Nashville's... Uh, Losing P.K. Subban and acquiring Matt Duchesne and with the dumpster fire that is the Minnesota Wild and with the hangover that the St. Louis Blues will inevitably have to go through with the Chicago Blackhawks being the Chicago Blackhawks and with Winnipeg losing Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine, and now Dustin Bufflin. What is this central division going to look like? Because it, 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 to me, it's Dallas. It's Dallas's division to lose. Honestly, Dallas is the only team in the central right now that, I mean, besides the Predators, it's a mess. It is a mess. Winnipeg, a mess. Minnesota, no one knows what's happening in Minnesota. I don't even think Minnesota Chicago. knows what happens in Minnesota. No, I don't either. Chicago? Who knows what's happening in Chicago right now? Nobody. It's a mess. It's a total mess. And I don't want to predict who's going to win the Central this year because anything can happen. But I just, I'm at a loss for words. I'm really curious to see how this all cleans itself up by the time regular season rolls around. Yeah. My, uh, my, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're good? Okay. I'm so, my, my fault. Good. My fault. My fault. I need to learn to not interrupt people. My partner, Ben, brought up a very good point with uh, Miko Rantanen's situation in Colorado. That the general manager literally told Rantanen, we're not going to pay you Mitch Marner money. And that's a pretty bold statement for a guy who put up 90 points last year. Yeah, that's a very bold statement. <laughs> I feel like Mitch Marner raised the bar a little higher than it probably should have been raised. But to say that to one of your top goal scorers, that's... Top that's point getter? I mean, if you put me on a line with Nathan McKinnon, I would have a lot of points. But... I feel like I would have points, Jack. And I... We don't do... You watch me shoot. We, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't, we don't play hockey. 
and we would get points if Nathan McKinnon was on a line with us. There's no question about that. But Ranthanen is a pretty crucial part of the Colorado's success. And I would, and you know, if if they choose not to re-sign Ranthanen, I said that Colorado would win the division in a couple years. Maybe not without Ranthanen. And I don't know much about Colorado's cap space. I haven't read much into it, but mm-hmm. Rantanen is worth some cap space, in my opinion. Not as much as Nathan McKinnon, but he's definitely up there. I would be willing to give him a little bit more of the bigger money just to keep that top line together, because that top line, in my opinion, carries the weight of the avalanche, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how it goes. I don't think that he's going to get $11 million a year by any stretch. Mm-mm. But I would be willing to give him upwards towards seven, eight, for sure. Somewhere between there, you know, that's that's that's, that's worth it. I mean, if Nashville's yeah. going to shell out eight million to Matt Duchesne of all people, Nico Rantanen deserves a little bit of a payday. I would agree with that. Not to take away anything Same. from Matt Duchesne, of course, but that's ugh, between Nico Rantanen and Matt Duchesne, that's a tough one. It's a real tough it one. Is. And speaking of contracts, what is your prediction for the Roman Yossi contract that Nashville fans are desperately waiting on right now? Oh, boy. What's your, what dollar do you think it'll come in at? I think that at this point, it's, it's Carlson. down to just figuring it's Car- out the dollars. It's Carlson money. It's got to be Carlson money. Because there was, a, there was a story on the NHL network that Roman Yossi was the best defenseman in the NHL by far. By far. And it's still not even recognized by the freaking NHL network because they put Brent Burns at the top. But Roman Yossi lit the world on fire last year. He did. And I I need to look at Nashville's cap space. They don't have much. I think it's somewhere around one. I think it's somewhere around one and a half. Yeah. So, well, okay. So if you're David Poyle, who do you get rid of? Who do you get Make rid of? Make well, Project There are a lot of unrestricted free agents. There's 10 of them. But the two that are truthfully worth noting are Craig Smith and Mikhail Glenlin. Yeah. They carry Not about nine. They carry out about $9 million in cap space. And Yossi is carrying about four right now so that's a real tough decision to make yeah definitely is there okay so their cap space right now is one million three hundred and thirty four thousand five hundred and twenty four dollars so they're at 1.3 right now okay so okay. that is not enough that's not enough opinion. for it that's not enough for a yossi extension i don't and they I'm were willing to get rid of PK's, i'm sorry go ahead go ahead Sitting here looking at this roster, you have guys like Austin Watson, Rocco Grimaldi, Kelly Yarncroke, and I don't think any of those guys will be sent anywhere. I think that those guys will stay on the team. Really? Personally, I don't I don't see Austin Watson going anywhere. Kelly Yarncroke is questionable, but I think that he's pretty safe. Rocco Grimaldi just signed his deal. So Rocco Grimaldi is safe. That's the thing, though. Grimaldi was handed a prove-it contract just like Ryan Hartman was last year. That is true. That's a very valid point. Yeah. I, it's I, pretty... I, if I, why, why not gut the bottom six? 
they have they have made it very very clear. Colton Sissons is the best off is the best defensive forward in that bottom six, which is why they signed him for seven years on I believe a restricted free agent contract. So they will not lose him in the draft. If I'm if I'm assuming that correctly. No, I think you're correct. Colton Sissons is definitely worth the money. He was the most consistent bottom six last year. Fifteen we goals was a cherry on top. On Fifteen yeah. goals was a cherry on top. It was. And he's a great center, great in the face-off circle, very talented player, and he's 100% safe for these seven years. Nick Benino, what are your thoughts on Nick Benino? I I feel like Nick Benino is really replaceable. I feel like Callie Yarncroke is really replaceable. I feel like these guys who have $1 million, $2 million, $3 million contracts, I feel like they're just really, really replaceable. And I feel like there are some guys in Milwaukee who are very willing to kill penalties. And that's exactly what I was just thinking. Is I think that's the deal right now with Ellie Tolvanen, Ron Pitlick, and those kind of guys. I think that give them a year, mm-hmm. if not, and they're very capable of coming up and taking the spot of players like Callie Yonkrow, players like Austin Watson, Austin Watson is the fighter on the team. He brings that physicality. So that's the aspect of Austin Watson that F- I think physicality. Like he got he, he got he he got whooped. He got beat by he did. He by got Pat beat Merlin. Bad by it. Yep. And you know, I look at Austin Watson's PDO, his shooting percentage, his shots on goal. Not even advanced analytics, and you just see he's not. He's not really contributing offensively. I mean, sure, you can throw him on the penalty kill. He's got a long stick. You know, he can get the stick in the lane. He can ta- he can block shots. He's a, what I like to call an expendable body. He doesn't really care much what happens to his body on the ice. But, like I said, I was I was almost positive that guys like Anthony Richard would, l- would have loved to kill penalties at about 700K a year. I w- I'm sure they would have loved that. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. Well, here's a question for you that might seem a little bit controversial. Roman Yossi is definitely due for a pay upgrade, but they were willing to shell out P.K. Subban making $9 million a year. They were willing to shell him out. And that's, obviously, Subban is not a homegrown talent, but he was a franchise player, and Roman Yossi is a franchise player. So there are a lot of different possibilities that can happen with this new contract looming. But that is also a very real option, that Yossi might ask for too much money. That definitely is, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were struggling to work that out right now. I just don't think that you get rid of your captain, two franchise players, and arguably the best defenseman in the league. Mm Mm-hmm. And for what? Who would you replace Roman Yossi with? Well, he's irreplaceable. Exactly. Well, and now that now that we're sort of talking about the defenseman, Ryan Ellis is finally entering his contract year. And he is, yeah. He's entering his contract year, and that's not. I mean, that's that's just that's obvious. But there was a lot of expectations on Ryan Ellis last year, and he did not live up to the hype. And he didn't deliver. He's making, I think, seven a year. He signed eight years, fifty-six million, 
and he's uh, he's I think he's locked down through the uh, 2025 2026 season, I believe. But yep, he is 6.25 through 2026. Oh wow, never mind, not 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 uh, seven million, but yeah, that's a that that's that's still that's a lot of expectations. That's some big money for Ryan Ellis right there. And that's a lot of that's I know a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of people that look into Ryan Ellis this year, and if he doesn't have a phenomenal season, then there's going to be some questions raised about is he worth that 6.25. And then that also leads to this very far-fetched idea of what will Dante Fabro do this year that could potentially get him that first-line pairing. I don't, I, 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 I don't think he's a first-line pairing guy yet. No, definitely not yet. He's, I would like to see him play with Matias Ekholm this year. Mm-hmm. I think that that line has a lot of potential. They're both very solid defensemen. I am i don't think that he's going to be worth the first line, not this year, not next year. Maybe way out in the future, mm-hmm. but now we're thinking really far. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I agree with that. I think they should bump... Ekholm up to the first pairing, bump Ellis down to the second pairing, and have him skate with Fabro. I think that Ellis is, and that's a very outlandish idea that most people would not agree with, but I feel like Yossi is the the one common theme I notice with each defensive pairing is that you there is definitely one offensive defenseman and one defensive defenseman. Uh, with last year, Subban and Yossi were the offensive defensemen, and Ekholm and Ellis were the defensive defensemen. Now, whether or not Ellis lived up to his defensive expectations, that's another story. But I would like to see Ellis regain a little bit of his scoring touch that he had in the latter half of the 2017-2018 season. And I feel like Fabro is the guy to skate with him because Fabro is still learning. He can still pick up some secondary assists here and there. But... I read the Why Dante Fabro is Good article from The Athletic, and it is very much subtle. It is very much, you don't notice the little things he does. I mean, I don't know. You say Ekholm, I say Ellis. I feel as if this year, Ekholm and Dante will definitely skate together. Mm -hmm. If not for the entire season, for a period of time, just to test the waters, build some chemistry. Right. I... I'm not saying that I don't see the potential for Ryan Ellis to skate with Dante Fabro, but that's something that it's I would have to see in person and judge watching them. It's minimal. I can't say that that's a good idea without seeing it happen. Yeah. And that's another thing about Ryan Ellis is back in 2017 in the playoffs, he had, I think, an eight-game streak where he scored a goal every single game for yeah. eight games. But and then, then he did nothing in the that, playoffs. Yeah. Did nothing in the playoffs. No, no defenseman in the playoffs did anything until uh, Subban against Winnipeg. Yeah, they got they they definitely got rid of Subban for, which was a pure salary dump. I didn't like that move, but I mean something needed to change. And if Duchesne's gonna one time pucks home with three point four seconds left to tie the game up and send it into overtime, I don't have much of a problem. One last question: the hottest topic in the Predators media this off season was my idol in hockey, Kyle Turris. Kyle Turris takes a very deliberate approach. He does he does a lot of good things on the ice, and he was definitely the scapegoat as to why the Predators did not do well last year. That is the first choice to trade. 
That is, he is making $6 million a year, and if Laviolette sticks him on the third line, that is going to decrease his trade value. That is going to put him with people who cannot score very well. That is going to be such a prohibitor for his success. I feel like I feel like if he is put on the second line, I don't know, maybe as the center or as a winger, he would do very he would do very well. And in case Poyle wants to shell him out somewhere to make room for that Yossi contract, that's fine. Kyle Turris is a good hockey player, and people refuse to acknowledge that. And it, it, it really bugs me. I agree. I think that last year, Kyle was hurt. I think we made this point in a podcast last year that when an athlete says they're 100%, they're not. odds are they're not. They're mm-hmm. at best 75 80. Mm-hmm. And I think that Kyle Turris got hurt. Felt a little bit better, started skating, tweaked it back down a little bit, was bouncing between that 50 and that 70 range. And I don't think that 100% Kyle was out there once last season. I think that there was something constant the entire time. I've heard from sources before that he was skating on a broken ankle. I've heard about other injuries. I don't think that Kyle got the opportunity to prove his 100%, and that's like the fan base in Nashville, I feel like, was expecting him to give that 100% regardless of the injuries. So looking at him now, he appears to be healthier. I'm not going to say he's 100% because you never know with athletes. Right. But he seems to be healthier. He seems like he's glowing a little bit more. Yes, I just used that trendy term, glowing. <laughs> but Kyle Turris just seemed better overall health-wise the way he was skating i see a lot of potential for him to grow off of last year better himself maybe not be that big dominant 20 30 goal scorer but definitely improve and it'll take time yeah but there's potential for him to maybe make the second line we're gonna end on this your three favorite guys that you love to watch uh on the predators Right now, like when you look at this roster as it is new and improved, you have seen training camp, you have seen rookie camp, you have seen a preseason game. Who are the three guys that you are most looking forward to seeing? Who are your top three Predators right now? Matt Deshane. Matt Deshane. Not just saying that of to ride no. that wave. Yep, of course you are. Of course you are. I'm not riding that wave. You are 100% riding the wave. I'm not... A big, yay, Matt Shane, yay this, yay that. <laughs> but I do, I liked watching that happen in 3.4 seconds yesterday. I'm uh, not going to lie. Fair enough, that fair enough, great. fair enough. But Matt Shane, Dante Fabro, I'm battling in my head right now over number three. Honestly, Philip Forsberg, he's always fun to watch. Yeah. I feel Always like the, fun to watch. I feel like the take control of the game, Phil, is back in action. Last year, we did not see any of that. No. He was inconsistent for a little while last year, but no, I feel like the real Philip Forsberg is back, and he's better. And this might be his year to hit that 30-40 mark. So. Crack 40 we'll goals? The crack the 40 goals? I'm going to give him a solid 38. 38. I'm just kidding. Bam. I have nothing to go off of, but Bam. that's my... 38. <laughs> that's okay. my crappy hot take of the day for everybody. Awesome. We've had a bunch of crappy hot takes. 
Who are your three favorite Predators to watch right now? My number one guy has been and always will be Victor Arvidsson. I love the way he never stops. He is the motor of the offense. I will never back down from that point. Even when he's 84, I'm still going to say he was the motor of the offense. Number two, I'm probably going to say, yeah, I'm going to say Philip Forsberg. He's back. I love it. You know, I, I really want him to just perfect that snipe. I really want him to hit 40 goals. really want that for the Preds organization. I really want him for as a player because I feel like each season that he's shown signs of getting better and better and better, something happens, he gets suspended, he gets an injury, and then it, and then it's, it, it stops his forward momentum. And then the third guy, and this might surprise you a little bit, I'm going to go Rocco Grimaldi. I'm going to go Rocco Grimaldi. He's got something to prove this year. It's not because he's 5'8 and under. It's not because short guys unite. I think he hits somewhere between 10 and 15 goals. I think he proves his worth for the team, and I think he comes back next year. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, that's all the time that we have because I have to go watch 12th Night, even though I just spent 10 hours at Lucas Oil Stadium doing security for the Colts game. Danielle, I'm sure you've got a bunch of papers and homework and all that stuff that you got to do. Yep, I have to go devise an essay right now that's controversial. So yeah, we awesome. better go do these things. Yep. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are back. We are better. I am Danielle Donena. I'm Jack Woods. This is Slapshot 615, and we are back, people. We're back. We're back.